This is Ross Jones, your business coach with my weekly podcast show, Bold Business Bits, coming to you from Yorkshire. This is where I have a great conversation with a phenomenal female business boss. We share some of the bold stuff they do, lessons they've learned, adversities they've overcome, and the fun they have. And then I'll be dipping into my toolkit and sharing a top tip. Business can be lonely, so make sure you join us each week and be part of our show. Hello and welcome to the Bold Business Bits podcast show. This is Charles Jones and today I'm joined by the wonderful Liz Green, broadcaster, journalist and documentary maker. Hello, Liz. Hello, how are you? I'm fantastic, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this. Thank you for asking. It's a pleasure. So Liz, tell us, just tell us how did you get to be where you are now? Oh, golly, because I liked pressing buttons. Ah. Uh Uh-huh. When I was at university as an undergrad, I did an English degree. We had a university radio station in a place called the Onion Shack. Oh, where was this? Yes. Where was it in Leeds? It was Loughborough. Oh, Loughborough, okay. I did English. And I fell in love with radio and pressing buttons and making something out of nothing. So I did a postgraduate year at what was then the London College of Printing as a radio journalist. And then I stayed in London and I worked for an independent production house and I ended up producing Michael Aspel for LBC, which was, I learned so much from him. He's such a lovely man. And then I moved to Manchester and went to work on a new station called Key 103. And then I moved to the BBC in Leeds. And from that base, I've done various bits and pieces, including daily broadcasting. I'd do a regional weekend show. And I've made documentaries along the way. I've worked for Radio 2. I've worked for Radio 5. So a, a real mix, really. But it all comes down to pressing buttons. But of course, we all know it's far more than and do you mean, and that's fabulous, I love that, that trajectory. And when you talk about pressing buttons, do you mean technical buttons or people's buttons? Both. Or both? Both. I discovered the technical buttons first. And I'm not a techno person, really. But once I know what I'm doing, I'm fine. But I think one of the things I am able to do is hold people to account mm-hmm. and uh, ask them the right questions. Yes. And I think that's very important. But I also love talking to people who have stories, who are not necessarily in positions of authority, who have been through terrible things as well as great things. Celebrities, okay, and who, you know, we all like to hear what's what, but I like real people. I like real people and real stories too. Yeah. And do you have a preference for the stories? Is it do you, do you go after the controversial or the underdog or the unheard or what's what kind of thing well, do you like? I think it depends on the story. I prefer to see if someone who has achieved something or endured something, if they can tell me how they did it. I find that very interesting and what effect it's had on them. Yeah. I enjoy talking to someone who's done something and a lot of people aren't very happy with it and they do need questioning I think that's important to be fair and above everything it's about doing your homework so you can see a story about a barking rabbit hypothetically and think oh that's fun that's nice and then you can look at a prime minister or you can look at someone I spoke 
very recently to um, a widow from Rotherham, a young woman, and her husband was killed on the smart motorway near Rotherham in 2019. Yeah. Now she's lobbying to stop smart motorways and she wants the hard shoulder back. Her story was remarkable because she had endured and still does the worst, but yeah. she had turned that, she talked about it, turned that into trying to make a difference. That's yeah. really valuable, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you speak much with politicians and give them a grilling? Yep, I do. I've interviewed, golly, Ed Miliband. I've interviewed most of the top politicians. I've never interviewed Margaret Thatcher, but I've interviewed almost every prime minister since then. I once stood next to Tony Blair. I was hosting a Women of Achievement launch. lunch. This is before 97. And he was doing the sticks and I didn't know he was coming. And the guy who'd organised it said to me, by the way, Tony Blair's coming. I went, oh, right. And there's a whole field of women who politically were pretty diverse. And in he came and he looked terrified. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, don't be frightened, sir. We won't eat you. It was, it was very nice. David Cameron. Yeah. So did quite a bit with him, actually. Yeah. 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 I'm Jeremy Corbyn. Excellent. And I, I love that. And so do you find the stories or do they find you? Both. Okay. Um, I do a lot of research. I'm always on. As I'm talking to you now, I'm, I've got my eye on the BBC News channel. All right. Um, that's kind of constant. And I listen to talk radio as well as music radio. I like yeah. music and other dance. So I'm always looking, always researching, always thinking. And then occasionally, for example... When Jimmy Savile died, before everyone realised what he had been, we were talking about it. Obviously, I had a lunchtime phone in at that point. I love a phone in. Love a phone in. Well, people just randomly phoning in. Yes. Well, you give them an idea of what we're talking about. Okay. And a woman rang off air to say that she knew of Jimmy Savile's abuse. So we interviewed her separately. We filmed it. It made BBC News. It was the first case, really. Everything kind of gathered momentum after that. She had a story to tell, and I'd like to think she came to tell her story because she knew she would be safe with us. Yeah. And that she'd made a connection. So that was that was pretty hard. Yeah. And I'm sure you must hear some tough things. Yeah, I do. I hear some very tough things. I once made a documentary on death row in Florida, and there was a man... Uh, in one of the cells that you're separated from them by two uh, metal grids, so he can't get out. And he'd been there for 15 years. And I said to him, what did you do? And uh, he wouldn't tell me. Are they allowed to say? It doesn't incriminate them or something? Yeah, they, they can say. They're yeah. all innocent, by the way. They're yeah, no, that's what I mean. But he wouldn't tell me what he'd done. Anyway, so when we left the death row itself. I said to the guy who was looking after us, um, who was Hollywood's sort of death row prison guard, it was amazing. I said, what did he do, that man? And he said, oh, he and a friend shot, raped, kidnapped, raped and shot uh, a couple uh, over a drug deal. So I thought, I've just been speaking to somebody who raped a woman and shot her dead. Ooh. I wish he wish he'd told. I'd have asked him why he did it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I was pretty safe. It, wasn't it would have been interesting to hear what his story was. But when we got to the prison, I was a woman. I had an MP with me. We couldn't film or record in the prison, but it took me six months we got in there. Anyway, the guy, the Hollywood guard, 
that I was telling you about said to me, ma'am, can I just warn you of something? And I went, yes. Uh, he said, um, it may be that prisoners, because you're a woman, will masturbate in front of you. He said, so just be prepared for that. We'll deal with it. I went, okay. <laughs> Nobody did. I was with the governor and about eight armed yeah. prison officers but you know you do get a slight sense of trepidation <laughs> I, wonder whether, I wonder whether he said it deliberately no i don't think so i no. think they were Just very generally. good yeah um, and they because we've got a british member of parliament with us they were very excited to have him yeah and he was so excited to see how all this worked so no there was none of that they weren't uh, they weren't testing us they were genuinely very pleased to show us yeah. Do, do they have women on death row? Yes, about 450 currently. Oh, really? That's in Florida. Yeah, wow. Interesting. The whole idea of the death penalty used to freak me out. And um, so I had this thing, this was a long, long time ago. I, I had this thing where I needed to deal with that because it was like a, a thing, it was like a phobia that used to make me feel physically sick that they would do that. <clears throat> so I actually, and I can't remember who did it, was it... Um, Amnesty International, they had this thing where you could actually have a pen friend in death row. Yeah. So I used to write to this guy until he started writing me these really awful letters. So I had to stop that, you know. Sorry. Well, there is a subculture of women who marry men on death yeah. row. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time with a woman that did just that, who was quite fascinating. Of course, he was never going to come out. He'd murdered several women and left them in ditches. He was never coming out. And in a way, I think there's a whole documentary in the women of death row yeah. and what they get of it from these men. They all have sex, by the way. The prisons will deny it, but they do. They slip at the guard of, you know, some money and they go off and do what they do. But that's fascinating to me. Yeah. They're relationships which aren't relationships. So you can rock up at prison looking amazing, have this sort of gazing through the bars, maybe a fumble. Yeah. But then you go home. Yeah. And the murderer stays where he is. Fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> yes. What goes on? Yeah, it's, it is amazing. We were talking um, this morning to, uh, I don't know if you've heard Behind Closed Doors. Yes. They're a charity in Leeds. So I was speaking with them this morning. So the whole thing about domestic violence, and it's actually, I'm going to plug my own book here. So that's a topic in my novel that's coming out very soon published by Fisher King Publishing, called Absolutely. When I Was a Girl. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing about being a victim, I don't really, really like to use that word, but being subject to domestic abuse and, and how it can affect you psychologically, whether you, you know, is it domestic abuse? Did I make this happen to me? Or all those kind of psychological implications of the whole thing. And apparently one in four women are subject to domestic uh, violence and one in six men, so I don't know. Is that something There's that you... an organisation called the White Ribbon, which is yes. for men who abuse, and that's or have been abused by women or by a same-sex partner, and um, that's also fascinating why they stay and the damage that it does and the damage yeah. it does to families. It's horrendous. Yeah, absolutely fair. And the, the thing that, that interested me about it was the, um, the, the sort of way you can programme somebody to pass it down through the generations. Yeah. So, very interesting. Yeah. I suppose it becomes a norm. Yes. And that's what we were sort of talking about today. You know, it's a controversial thing, but people don't really talk about it as if it's okay. Uh, so. Still a huge trouble. 
What's your, so moving away to happy, to funnier things, what's been the, one of the funniest interviews you've ever done then? Oh, golly. No, well, the Dalai Lama. All right, yeah. <laughs> he was in Leeds and I managed to secure an interview and I was at the front of the queue because I've been there since dawn. And I was there for two reasons. I was there professionally, but my very good friend Patrick had died the year before and he was a Buddhist and I had his prayer boots. And I knew that Patrick would be beside himself if the Dalai Lama blessed his prayer boots. So two reasons to be in there. Anyway, you can't see the Dalai Lama and not take a present. You just can't. So I took a big box of Yorkshire tea and I took a big box of Yorkshire mixtures, which are made here. Well, it was like a glass jar you know, with the big stopper on the top. Yeah. So I'm the first in, and he's very lovely and very funny and very wise and very wily and uh, very entertaining, surrounded by saffron-covered monks, and there he is in his finery. So I say hello, got my microphone in one hand, and I hand him the tea, oh, I bang it, and then I hand him the sweets, and I said, these are Yorkshire mixtures, and the well, it's like a chocolate. So he had a monk rip the top off. <laughs> And then he plunged his hand into the jar and started to eat sweets. <laughs> so I had my interview and I was sorted. And then he was on national television and he was on this. Now, every interview after that, he had his mouth full of Yorkshire mixtures. <laughs> it was hysterically funny. He was very funny and very lovely. And I'll always remember that. It was, he said, sweeties. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> well done. Well done. So you knew that he had a sweet tooth. Excellent. That was great. So he was lovely. I have great memories of that. That was such a nice yeah. thing to do. So how did you learn your skills? Were you self-taught? I know you, you said you spent some time with Michael Aspel, who was immensely helpful to him, but how did he you, was. is it just through experience or? Yes, it's experience. But what Michael Aspel taught me was to listen. Yeah. And he was a great interviewer and a great listener, a great listener. So the technique I kind of developed was you do all your homework and that's really important. You do your research, you do your homework, you know this person as far as you can. And then you have that in front of you and then you start to listen to them. And so you might have it in your head, I never have an interview planned, but you might know, well, what I want for this person is this. But they might say something else and take you somewhere else. So listen, practice listen back to yourself. I do think for anyone who is a communicator or a podcaster or a broadcaster, I recommend someone who's men, uh, been a mentor to me for a long time. And her name is Valerie Geller, written several books. Her latest books do cover podcasting. But she and her techniques and her personality have shaped the broadcaster that I am without any doubt whatsoever. You can buy her books on Amazon, you can look her up on the website, but I think just to understand what she's saying about being a, an authentic communicator yeah. and knowing what to say, how to feel, not to be boring. Yeah. Fascinating, good friend of mine now, but I recommend it to every young broadcaster, every old broadcaster, and every wannabe broadcaster. And I just think those techniques are so useful for so much of what we do in our lives. Yeah. But please go and find Valerie. Valerie Geller. And so how did you find her? She was actually hired by the BBC when we had a new boss in, at least. And he loved her. 
And we started to work together and we didn't get on at first because I didn't think she kind of got British broadcasting because she's in America. She's worked with some of the best in the world. And so we used to argue uh, in an intellectual way, tooth and nail about what she was saying. And then one day I just got it. And she's, she's just, she's so lovely. And, you know, if I'm ever in New York, she used to live in New York, she doesn't now. We used to meet and have a coffee or dinner and speak to each other. And she was just fantastic. And I won two New York International Radio Festival Awards. And she was at both of them because she'd been a judge, not for my categories, but because she'd been a judge. And I was able to thank her there as well. But it is invaluable stuff. Really, yeah. really invaluable stuff. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I would definitely look her up. Do. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and so what's, what's, what's your next goals coming up for you, Liz? Well, not sure, really. I would like to do documentaries full-time now. I love broadcasting, don't get me wrong, I do. But I also like storytelling on a bigger scale, whether that's for half an hour, whether it's for an hour. So that's what I really want to do. So I'm in the process of working that one out. And would that be under your own steam or with, with the BBC? No, I'd like to make them for whoever would like them, really. Ah, okay. It's quite a big organisation, so I'm hopeful that somebody will sell. I think I might like that. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I would like to do. That's my next goal. And is it still for radio broadcasting? Is it all yeah. really speaking for television? No, too old for television. <laughs> oh, really <not> <laughs> we need to break this thing that we're going on. I wish we could. Yeah. And what sort of what have you planned out, or is it still under wraps? What kind of thing documentary? I can't say, um, okay. but I have four very, very, very strong ideas. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I'm starting to research one of them today. Um, I'm doing a course, and I can't say what it's on, and it's oh, something no. under my own steam. But yeah, they're they're kind of there. They need working out. So oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, that's really exciting. And all your fans will be excited as well. I hope so. But you're going to carry on with the weekly? The weekend, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I like doing the weekly regional broadcasts. Yeah. The area is fantastic. It's home. It's the whole of Yorkshire, plus northern Lincolnshire, plus northern Derbyshire. And the sort of gene pool of stories is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm really, really enjoying that very much so yeah absolutely and what is it about Yorkshire then that's so amazing well I am a Yorkshire lass I'm from Huddersfield I just love the diversity and the beauty and the familiarity of it I love the huge shopping places and the cities I love York and Leeds I love the fact that you from where I live which is in the Calder Valley I can be in the countryside in 15 minutes yeah I can also be at Meadowhall and oh, no. that's nice yeah yeah um, I could travel elsewhere very easily uh, so and it's home my friends and my family are here and yeah I think we're very blessed to live in such a beautiful place yes definitely so I like it that um uh, that you you did your thing in London but you you came back I did and I came when I came back I thought what I want is a Yorkshire cottage I had a maisonette in London oh, do me a favour. You know, there was a little garden, but so I had this thing in my head that I'd have a Yorkshire stone cottage. So I did. I lived there for ages and then I moved not too far. Okay. So it was important to have that. Yeah, definitely. Well done. And so um, I like to finish out the podcast show with a bit of advice. You know, if I'm standing before you, apart from uh, recommending me to, Val to Valerie Geller, 
I'm standing before you just about to embark on my broadcasting career, Liz. What yeah. piece of advice would you give to me? It's hard work. So you need to recognise that. Some people, I think, assume, and some do, you can rock up and, you know, talk into that microphone and it will be wonderful. It's hard work. You spend a lot of time on your own with a microphone in a studio. It's uh, unsocial hours. It takes a huge part of your life. So you have to really love it in your soul, whether you play music, whether it's talk, it doesn't matter. Sport, I always envy sports journalists because they're doing absolute what they want to do. Um, and with such passion and love and devotion, it's amazing. So really love it. And if you don't, don't do it. And do not expect that it will work immediately. And it's tough for young people now getting into the industry. Very tough. But um, be authentic, which is why you need Valerie Geller. And listen. Yes, listen very hard. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Bold Business Bits podcast show. It's been a fantastic privilege to speak with you, Liz. No, that's at all. I've enjoyed it. Thank you, Liz. In our conversation, Liz mentioned her mentor, Valerie Geller, who she learnt so much from. So I don't know about you, but I always love to be learning and getting better at what I do. So I dug around. And if you're interested in learning more, you can find Valerie on Twitter at V Geller. She's also on YouTube. Or go to her website, gellermedia.com. She has a book, which I've just ordered. It's not cheap if you're not in America, by the way. I've ordered it for myself. It's called Beyond Powerful Radio, A Communicator's Guide to the Internet Age. And the full subtitle is A Communicator's Guide to the Internet Age for News, Talk, Information, Personality, Broadcasting, Podcasting, Internet and Radio. So pretty comprehensive, it sounds to me. So I'm really excited to be getting that. It includes advice from dozens of practicing media professionals as well. So looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to our show today. This is Ros Jones saying bye for now. Please subscribe and leave us some feedback. Bye for now. This has been your Ros Jones Bold Business Bits podcast show. If you'd like any further information about anything we've discussed today, please just get in touch. Go to businesscoachingyorkshire.co.uk. Please join me again next week when I'll be speaking with another phenomenal female business boss with bold business bits. And remember to subscribe to my show. Thanks for listening. Bye.